Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Rander ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. I'm going to commence a series that is very needful and necessary, and we'll be preaching it the duration of the month because it is a series that we really need to take to heart. And with that being said, be so kind enough to turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. 1 Kings chapter 3. Verses 7 through 9. You got to dust the dust off. Though you don't turn to Kings too often, but uh, it's in there. First Kings chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And you'll find these words. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And from this passage of scripture, we want to preach achieving success through godly decision-making. Achieving success through godly decision-making. How many of you all want to make some godly decisions as we commence this year? Listen, it's not just going to happen. There are some things we must consider, take heart, and execute if we want to achieve success through godly decisions. Beloved, life is filled with so many decisions in life. Just decision after decision after decision. And all the decisions we make have consequences. Even as parents, we do our very best to guide our young children with their decisions, such as their food choices, our young children, children's playmates, teaching them how to share, helping them with their decision to spend or to save in their little piggy banks. As parents, we also guide our children through those tough adolescent and teenage years. For example, choices in the clothes uh, teenagers wear which sends a message about themselves, friends they choose, moral decisions, college and educational choices, the music they listen to, and using social media to better their lives or even destroy their lives if they're not careful. And then we, all of us, we transition into adulthood. Then the decisions just keep on, keep on coming and coming and coming with increasing levels of challenges and difficulties that we all have to face, such as dating decision. Uh, Should we remain single? Should we get married? When we should get married? Financial decisions, health decisions, career decisions, 
Choosing to do good or evil. Decisions to stand your ground or just roll over with the desire to be politically correct versus being biblically sound. Or who will you receive your counsel from? That's a big decision. In other words, you cannot maximize your potential unless you're willing to make godly decisions to the glory of God. And we want to deal with this issue of decision making because we want to make progress this year and not regress. When we get to December, we want to know that we have been successful because we have been making godly decisions to the glory of God. With that being said, what must we consider when making decisions? Now, you got to understand Solomon had just succeeded his, his father David on the throne. He replaced his father David. David was a great man, a man after God's own heart. And David went to be gathered with his people. And, uh, and so now uh, King Solomon is on the throne of Israel, succeeding his daddy, who was a great warrior, king, and a man after God's own heart. And in this dream, uh, there's a conversation. Solomon uh, says, Lord, I'm but a child. I don't know how to go out and I don't know how to come in. This is a great people. And now I'm on the throne of Israel. I've just replaced my daddy, who was a great king. Big footsteps to follow. But Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a child. I don't even know how to go out or come in. But yet you have given me this great multitude of people. So many that it can't even be counted. And what Solomon was asking for, he did not ask for riches and wealth and power and popularity. He said, give me wisdom. Give me understanding to rule this great people because I have many decisions to make for such an overwhelming task of a multitude. What must we consider when making decisions? What must we consider? You need to write every one of these points down because it's applicable to you and me so that we can have the best year ever. And not only that, but you need to share them with others who will be struggling and they can save themselves some trouble as well. What must we consider when making godly decisions? Number one, you cannot reach your God-given potential for Christ unless you start making spiritual decisions. Say spiritual decisions. Not worldly decisions, not secular decisions, not crazy decisions, spiritual decisions. You cannot reach your God-given potential for Christ unless you start making spiritual decisions. The greatest spiritual decision that you can make in your lifetime, my friend, is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and follow him. In Isaiah 45, it says, look to me. In other words, you're not saved by money. You're not saved by people. You're not saved by power. You're not saved by popularity. You're not saved by, by uh, intelligence. You're only saved by God and God alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. You look to me, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. Salvation comes only through Christ alone. All you ends of the earth. 
for I am God and there is no other. In other words, he said, I'm God all by myself. And the only way you're going to get saved and go to heaven is through me alone. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man goes to the father, but by me. Isaiah 55, six and seven says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let me tell you something. It's so easy to sin. And when we fall into sin, we need to cry out to God for mercy. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over those sins so that God will pardon our iniquities because we cannot Make godly decision with sin, being infested with sin in our lives. Unless you have the life of God living in your soul, unless you have God reigning in your life, you will not make spiritual decisions because John 15, 5b says, for without me, you can do nothing. You need God, the Lord Jesus Christ, working in your life to help you make decisions that's going to affect you the rest of your life. Not just a day, not just a month, not just six months from now, but even the rest of your life. How many of you, uh, let's just be frank and honest with yourselves, you made some decisions uh, between the ages of, let's just say, 15 and 25 that you wish you can get back, and you're still bearing the consequences of those decisions that you made back then. If you, if, if I'm talking to you, won't you just raise your hand? Look, young folk, look around. Look, look, look around, look around. Here, here, look at all these hands. Between 15 and 25, we somehow make, not, not that we don't make bad decisions before then, and not that we don't make bad decisions after 25, but that is, is something mysterious about those 10 years. And here you get 40, 50, 60 years old, and you still think about those stupid mistakes, stupid decisions that you made back there between the ages of 15 and 25. We can save ourselves some trouble if we just look to God and allow him to direct us in our decision-making processes because John 15, 5b says, for without me, you can't do nothing. And that is even make the right decision. Number two, uh, what must we consider when decision-making? You must make your decisions prayerfully. Say prayerfully. Every decision must be a prayed over decision. If you, if you make a decision without praying, that's the height of pride because you're saying, I know what I'm doing. I got it together and I don't need God. You're not saying that, but your actions are dictating that. You see? So, so it is critical that you acknowledge God in prayer for every decision. Listen, there's no such thing as a little bitty decision. Every decision is major when it's dealing with me. Now, now, now we're going to look at the scripture and, and, and let it be our guide. In Acts chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, is something significant. There, perhaps this is obscure to you, but it is so important. Acts chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 says, And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, 
show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. We please God, my friend, when we acknowledge him in critical decisions that affect the future possibilities of ministry. Uh, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus, went out and hung himself. And instead of 12 apostles, now there's only 11. And so the apostles prayed that the right decision be made for the next apostle that would replace Judas. The apostles desired God's guidance in selecting Judas's replacement for the position that would have far-reaching impact in the kingdom of God. I pose a question to you. Why did the apostles petition God for a replacement for Judas? They didn't just grab anybody haphazardly. Why did the apostles petition God for a replacement for Judas? I'll tell you why. Number one, God knows what is best for his church because she belongs to him. God knows what is best for his church because the church belongs to the Lord. And God also knows what is best for you because you belong to the Lord. How many of you are saved? You know you're saved and nobody in this world can make you doubt the validity of your salvation. Well, but since God created you, since God knows you, since God, since God saved you, then, then he knows what's best for you. That's why the apostles acknowledge God for the replacement of Judas. Because the church is the bride of Christ. The church belongs to Christ. And since the church belongs to Christ, they acknowledge Christ in a decision for a replacement of Judah. Number two, God knows the heart of people. That's why they, that's why they acknowledge God. God knows the heart of people. You know, a whole lot of people we pick that's not of God. Some of y'all pick the wrong mate, the wrong spouse, date the wrong person. Wrong picks, wrong picks, because you, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're sizing people up the wrong way. God knows the heart of people. We don't. They, they may be smooth, eloquent, eloquent, that doesn't mean a thing. If they're not of God, run from them. God knows the heart of people. We don't. Selections in ministry are often, here's where the church mess up. And here's how come the church gets bogged down. Because selections in ministry are often based on resumes. Uh, selections are made, uh, based on degrees. Selections are made uh, based on how much experience one have. Uh, selections are made because people are eloquently uh, speakers, persuasive words. People even make selections on, oh, he's a good looking preacher. Uh, 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 that's a good looking. I want that person to be my son. I like the way they look. Never select anybody based on looks. Looks can let you down and looks are a fading glory. Never choose anybody for anything based on being handsome or cute. That's called stupidity. You say, can you back that up in scripture? I certainly can. 
First Samuel chapter 16, verse seven says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical statue because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart, my friend, the heart. And some of you have broken hearts. Some of you, your lives have been put in regression because you've been looking at the money the person make. You've been looking at their physique. You've been looking at how fine they are, how cute they are. You've been looking at how intelligent they are, how smooth they are. And they are nothing but a smooth devil. God looks at the heart. Only God knows the heart of a person. And that's why the apostles sought God out in prayer. Uh, uh, th- th- thirdly, why did the apostles petition God for a replacement for Judas? Thirdly, God knows the one, God knows the one who would be most equipped and gifted to serve in ministry. God knows the one who would be the most gifted, equipped and gifted to serve in ministry. And so uh, Exodus chapter 18, verses 24, 25 says, Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth. Look, look, Look at the kind of persons being chosen here. Men who fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, they're not greedy, and pl- and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Verse 24, so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law uh, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And so that's a, so look at the, that's a selection process uh, in the Mosaic economy under, under the rulership of Moses. And then when we look in Acts, we see a selections being made uh, for, for, to attend the need of widows who were being neglected. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and verses 5 and 6, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men. He didn't say 80, he said seven. Sometimes you choose too many and that makes a mess. Seven men of, it don't take a whole lot to do God's work, by the way. Seven men. And just think, the church had just gotten born. You had 3,000 souls that just got converted, and God says, seven men. Okay, of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas of Proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they prayed, they laid hands on them. We should lay hands on anybody apart from prayer. That's right. Uh, we need to hear God. And look at that criteria. Men of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Men who are sound. Uh, thirdly, in decision making 
Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. In every decision, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and he wants to control your life. He wants to guide your life. In decision-making, thirdly, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Acts 16, verses 6 and 7 says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. I want to say something about that, about listening to the Spirit. A, God gets his best out of us when we allow him the freedom to tell us yes, no, or wait. God gets his best out of us when we allow him the freedom to tell us yes, no, or wait. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, even though preaching was a good thing. God said, no, you're not going there. In verse 6, and they were not permitted by the Holy Spirit to go into Bithynia. In verse 7, God says, no, God says, no, and he was redirecting. In other words, as we, as we yield to the Holy Spirit's direction, he will lead us into his perfect will because the Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of God for your life. So when you listen to the Spirit, he will guide you into God's best for you in the decision-making processes. And then I want to say something. As we involve ourselves in the process of doing the Lord's work, Paul and the other brethren, they were moving around doing the Lord's work. As we involve ourselves in the process of doing the Lord's work, he will reveal his direction for our lives. In other words, those who are actively involved in doing the work of ministry will receive guidance and direction from God instead of sitting and doing nothing or just talking about what you want to do. You know, God doesn't use lazy folk. He used people who are active, who, 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 who are in the process. And once you get in the process, once you get your feet in the water, God begins to show you some things. Because says, why should I show you something? You haven't made the first step yet. Verse 7 says, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Start moving toward God and he will direct your path. I want to say something. Be thankful for God's denial in our lives because we can't see what God sees. Be thankful for God denials in your life because you don't know what God knows. Denials teach us to trust and depend on the Lord even when we don't understand. A true sign of spiritual maturity is when we can be thankful when God says no. You're not pouting. You're not mad. God said, don't you touch that woman. Don't you go there. Don't you date, don't you date her one time. Don't take that job. God, 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 here, don't, buy, don't you buy that house. Uh, don't, don't buy that car. <laughs> Don't 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 spend that money. You said you're gonna say, don't you spend it? And you spend it. You see? And so 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 but but and, uh, something you want really bad and you just want it so badly until you move ahead of God, and then God used that very thing that you thought you had to have, and He whooped you all over into next year. <laughs> you know, and these okay, God, I surrender, I surrender, I learned my lesson. God said, I told you. No, 
No means no. A true sign of spiritual maturity is when we can be thankful when God says no. And, and be honest, as we look back later in life, can you now see the blessings in God's denial? How many of you can think of something, of, of several things that you thought you wanted so badly and God didn't let you get it? And now you weigh on the other side and you look and beg and say, oh, I'm so glad God didn't listen to my crazy self. Anybody like that? I mean, you look back now, you say, ooh, I'm so glad that God didn't give me what I was asking for. You know why? He knows the beginning and the end. He knows around the next corner, and he knows what you can handle. A sign of spiritual maturity is when you can accept the denials of God with reverence and respect to the glory of God. Number four. Our best decisions are made when we make listening to God a priority. Our best decisions are made when we make listening to God a priority. In other words, God speaks in ways that we do not expect. Therefore, having a listening ear, we must have a listening ear and an ear and an open heart. Our best decisions are made when we make listening to God a priority. God speaks in ways we do not expect. Therefore, have a listening ear. You must have a listening ear and an open heart to hear what God is saying. God is not going to scream at you. God is not going to shout. He speaks in a still, small voice. He, he, He speaks through thoughts as you engage in Scripture. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things He says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to Him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Or call us at 210-821-5683.